The products discussed in this podcast are only available in the United States. Hello, everyone. This is Mark Santolo from the Portfolio Analysis and Consulting Team at Atixis Investment Manager Solutions. I'm joined by my colleague, Sean Kakis, and today we're going to introduce a new two-dimensional framework that we think has a ton of explanatory power for both recent and future equity performance. And Sean, those factors are inflation and cyclicality. Yep. In prior episodes, we've discussed the importance of looking beyond your traditional style factors like size and value and growth to analyze portfolio exposures and explain market returns. We call these thematic factors. The two most recent thematic factors we've discussed were early late cycle and inflation. And it's become clear to us that the market hasn't been focused on just one or the other. It's really been both. So what we've done is we've combined these two thematic factor frameworks to provide a more nuanced way to think about market drivers and portfolio positioning. So accounting for two dimensions, cyclicality and inflation, you're basically left with four economic regimes. You have a regime where inflation on the y-axis and economic growth on the x-axis is coming in above expectations. That falls in the top left quadrant. Then you have a regime where inflation is coming in above expectations and economic growth is coming in below expectations. That falls in the top right quadrant. In the bottom right quadrant, both inflation and economic growth are coming in below expectations. And then finally, the bottom left quadrant where inflation is coming in below expectations and economic growth is coming in above expectations. And using the historical risk-adjusted returns for all S&P 1500 industries during unexpectedly high and low inflation regimes and unexpectedly high and low growth regimes, we were able to assign an inflation and a growth score to each industry And we profile a collection of these industries with more pronounced scores in each of these four quadrants. Let's briefly summarize each quadrant. The top left quadrant is made up of your cyclical inflation hedges, with oil and gas and construction and engineering being some of the best industry examples. Energy, industrials, and materials are the sectors where you'll find most of these cyclical inflation hedges. The top right quadrant is made up of classic defensive industries in the consumer staples and utility sectors. Food products, tobacco, and electrical utilities are just a few examples. REITs also fall in this quadrant. Bottom right quadrant is dominated by secular growth industries across healthcare and communication services. And then the bottom left quadrant is a combination of cyclical growth industries like semiconductors, electronic equipment, entertainment and then various industries within the consumer discretionary sector. And over the last year or so, we've seen periods of significant swings in performance across these groupings of industries, and that signals to us what the market's outlook is for both inflation and economic growth. And one of those periods that we highlighted was January of this year. Yeah, so thinking back to January, we had just gotten our third soft inflation print in a row. Employment and consumer spending data was looking strong, and the market's starting getting comfortable with the Fed's terminal rate. So looking at a heat map of first, second, third, and fourth quartile returns, you can see how effectively the framework captured a strategy's return patterns. If your equity portfolio outperformed in this time period, it probably wasn't a story about your managers picking winners and losers. It was how well you were positioned for inflation fading and stronger growth being priced in. So you can see how meaningful a driver this can be in certain time periods where changes in growth and inflation uncertainty are driving returns. So let's focus a bit more on inflation and update everyone on our trajectory. And the fixed income market appears to be confirming the equity market action that you pointed out, Mark. 
looking at inflation swap futures contracts going out to the end of 2023, the market is pricing in an expectation for year-over-year CPI to be roughly 3%. Well, that's not quite the 2% target that the Fed's been working toward. It's certainly significant progress in the right direction. As much as we try to interpret each inflation print as the story of that month and look for momentum in these month-over-month prints, the media tends to latch on to the year-over-year figure, and that still carries with it the weight of some pretty hot inflation prints throughout much of 2022. Um, in particular, March, May, and June of 2022 were particularly hot CPI prints, and those are soon rolling off the one-year calculation. If you look at the June CPI print for this year, which will be released on July 12th, that could be a pretty interesting one to look at, as the option market suggests a shift in the expected one-year CPI of over 1%, from 3.9% to 2.8%. Again, a lot of this expectation is tied to some of these past hot inflation prints rolling off, but we could be looking at a pretty key psychological boost for the market in this time frame if all of a sudden people are hearing about 3% inflation instead of 5 or 6 or 7% inflation. You know, after the year we've had, 3% feels low. To me, 3% is within striking distance of 2% and no longer suggests that the Fed needs to take massive steps to reduce inflation. So we'll have a tailwind toward more normal one-year trailing inflation just through the passage of time. But, Sean, how might we see additional downward pressure on the month-over-month inflation figures from the various components of inflation? Well, for most of 2022, there were a handful of specific line items having an outsized impact on CPI. But more recently, we've seen inflation dynamics really broaden out a bit. And now we think it's easier to assess overall inflation progress by tracking three key areas. Core goods is the first area. This excludes the volatile energy and food prices. Year-over-year growth in core goods ballooned to 12.4% early 2022. But over the last year, we've seen that rate of growth plummet to just 1.3%. I think it's fair to say that we're on track in this area. Supercore services is the second area we are watching closely. Think of this as broad services minus shelter. So this effectively strips out the significant lagged effects from shelter, which we'll touch on again in just a minute. But it strips out those significant lagged effects to get a more real-time reading on how broad services are disinflating. We've seen year-over-year inflation here top out, but there's still significant progress that needs to be made before we declare victory. The Fed has cited wage growth as being highly correlated with supercore services, and we've started to finally see signs that wage pressures are fading. The last area we focused on is shelter, which is dominated by two key line items, rent and owner's equivalent rent. We are still at very high levels of inflation here, but as we mentioned before, there's significant lag effects in play. Historically, it's taken about 12 to 14 months for real-time data around rent growth to be reflected in shelter CPI. The logic behind this is pretty straightforward. Shelter CPI measures what the average person's shelter costs are. Most people are locked into leases for a year or longer, so it takes time for the current market rate to work its way into the CPI data. The high rate of inflation we've seen for shelter CPI in 2022, and now the first month of 2023, reflects extraordinarily high rates of growth for real-time rent all the way back in 2021. And rents increased at a much slower pace in 2022, and we actually saw outright deflation for the first month of 2023. Therefore, we expect these slower growth rates and even outright deflation to start working their way into the shelter CPI data very soon. These lagged effects are widely known and have been cited by the Fed repeatedly. The real-time data is signaling to us that we're on track in this key area. 
So we can see the path toward a softer landing. How might someone want to think about positioning for this? Well, the four-quadrant approach we've described seems to align with many of the potential off-ramps that we're discussing today. A soft landing would mean inflation continues to fade while growth stays strong. That should mean our lower left quadrant outperforms like it did in January. Another possibility is this no-landing scenario, where growth stays strong but inflation remains sticky and maybe settles into a higher range. That would suggest that the upper left quadrant outperforms. And in fact, throughout most of February, this quadrant has done better than the soft landing quadrant. A hard landing would suggest that inflation pressures finally fade, but we find ourselves at risk of perhaps a mild recession. That would put us in the lower right quadrant. And last, the stagflation scenario in the upper right quadrant would represent meaningful growth deterioration and maybe little to no progress on inflation pressure subsiding. That's probably the combination that we view as least likely, at least in the intermediate term. It's also important to keep in mind that it's unlikely for any one of these narratives to dominate for the entire year. There's probably going to be oscillations along the way, so how might someone want to think about positioning not only for their view, but for the market potentially repricing the outlook along the way? So I think it makes sense to diversify your bets across what you think are the most likely scenarios. There are signs that economic growth is remaining resilient, despite all that the Fed's thrown at it. Given that, our view is that the odds of a soft or no landing appear to be the two most likely scenarios that the market will be pricing in over the next three to six months. Our investment committee has been gradually adding to these areas over the last few months. We've added a home builders ETF, an equally weighted technology ETF, to express the increasing probability of a soft landing. And we've also been adding to SMIDCAPs and International, acknowledging the potential for a no-landing scenario playing out. So if you'd like to see how your portfolio is positioned in the context of these potential outcomes, you can leverage our portfolio analysis and consulting group. We can show you how your position relative to our investment committee, the average advisor portfolio, or any benchmark that you have in mind. And we enjoy sharing our market outlook and understand that you might have thinking that's a bit different than ours. The goal, really, is to make sure that your portfolio positioning is aligned with how you think things are going to progress from here. And to get the ball rolling on this type of analysis, please reach out to your Natixis sales rep, and they can link you up with our portfolio analysis and consulting team. All we need are tickers and weights for your equity sleeve, and then we do all the heavy lifting from there. That concludes our discussion on using cyclicality and inflation exposures for calibrating your asset allocation and refining your portfolio construction. For more of our research and investment insights, please visit our website, natixisimsolutions.com. And as always, feel free to reach out to us with any questions, comments, or for customized insights tailored to your specific portfolio. On behalf of the Portfolio Analysis and Consulting Team at Natixis Investment Manager Solutions, thanks for your continued partnership, and thanks for listening. Important information. As of February 28, 2023, this material is provided for informational purposes only and should not be construed as investment advice. There can be no assurance that developments will transpire as forecasted. Actual results may vary. The views and opinions expressed may change based on market and other conditions. Investing involves risk, including the risk of loss. Investment risk exists with equity, fixed income, international and emerging markets. Additionally, alternative investments, including managed futures, can involve a higher degree of risk and may not be suitable for all investors. There is no assurance that any investment will meet its performance objectives or that losses will be avoided. This document may contain references to copyrights, indexes and trademarks that may not be registered in all jurisdictions. Third-party registrations are the property of their respective owners and are not affiliated with Natixis Investment Managers or any of its related or affiliated companies, collectively Natixis. Such third-party owners do not sponsor, endorse or participate in the provision of any Natixis services, funds, or other financial products. Natixis Advisors, LLC provides advisory services through its division Natixis Investment Managers Solutions. Advisory services are generally provided with the assistance of model portfolio providers, some of which are affiliates of Natixis Investment Managers, LLC Natixis Advisors, LLC does not provide tax or legal advice. Please consult with a tax or legal professional prior to making any investment decision. NadiaXISMSolutions.com Add tracks, 548403511
Pod 23, March 2023. Expiration date, March 31st, 2024.